Hail Dictinus, grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. Wind is a floating wave of air whose undulation continually varies. Welcome to Storytelling Air, the 246th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 1st century BCE Roman architect Vitruvius. Ooh. Our opening and closing music is credited as Frostwaltz Alternate by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. You may call me Ode. Sorry, unplanned exclamation, but Vitruvius. <laughs> Vitruvius of the man. Of the man. That's very cool. <laughs> by the way, Mary Meat, my name is Gwyn. I'm Ode's mother. <laughs> We're As just, if you don't know that by now. And we're just real excited about Vitruvius. And we're just really excited about Vitruvius. <laughs> what can I say? So we're doing a storytelling episode again. Um, I did look back and we did like a storytelling and then a deep dive and now we're doing another storytelling. That's why I was like, um, are you I, sure? I forgot we did the work storytelling in between the elements storytellings. Oh, okay. Um, and originally we were going to have a different, like an, a non-storytelling episode yeah. in between, but we took that week off because, because Jackson. Jackson. So... <laughs> that's that's why we're doing another storytelling so fast. <laughs> I, I confess, when when they told me we were doing another storytelling, I was like, "Are you sure?" Uh-huh. Yeah, and I was because, like I said, yeah, I had planned for a different episode to be in between, and that would have broken it up more. But so <laughs> we will do something to break it up a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Right. Before the next one. All right. But, oh, and by the way, Jackson is safely ensconced mm-hmm. in school. Thank you for your understanding that we decided to take last week off so that we could spend family time together. Mm-hmm. And um, help him. And help him. Pack. And pack and, and leave. leave. And <laughs> drop him off. But also because this mama was sad. Mm-hmm. She was grieving. I was sad that my son, even though I'm very happy for him, mm-hmm. but I was also very sad. So it was probably a good emotionally... <laughs> Uh, she needed self- a downtime. I needed a self-care day. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah, because he actually moved on Monday, the day yeah, we record. He did. On a very, very long flight. Yep. That he was then jet lagged from for like three days. Yeah. But we got to spend the, the day mm-hmm. with him yeah. before I took him to the airport. Yeah. And it was good. It we was had a good, good time. It was a good time. And he's incredibly happy. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important yes, thing. In London. He's in London. Discovering London doing things. things. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Housekeeping. I have a fun thing for me for housekeeping that I want to tell people about because I just learned about it and I think it's really cool. Okay. So they just discovered a new Indo-European language in Turkey during an excavation. It's in a part of Turkey that was once the the head of the Hittite Empire. Ooh. And the Hittites were really interested in languages and in particular in preserving the rituals of other peoples in the native languages that they nice. that those rituals were originally written in. And we've discovered a new Indo-European language uh, because the, the Hittites were recording a ritual from a, a place we've never heard of before. Those Hittites, man. Yeah, I so, was talking about yes, their gods. Yes, so thank those you. cool Hittites. Yes, so thank you to the Hittites for preserving the language of Karasmus. Uh, we don't know what it says yet, but we're going to work it out. That's very cool. <laughs> Hooray for the Hittites. Yes. That's very cool. <laughs> so the Hittites' uh, preservation practices are preserving languages for us all the way to the year 2023. <laughs> That's very cool. That is very cool. I like it. Elle says, someone finally wrote something down in spite of it being fucking obvious at the time. <laughs> yeah. So they, I mean, they, the Hittites were really interested in the languages of other peoples. And mm-hmm. this is actually how we know quite a few uh, Indo-European languages from the time, is that the Hittites tended to record especially religious rituals in their native languages. That is so cool. Yeah. It's, it just, really a, it's just a weird quirk about the Hittites. It's a very weird quirk. <laughs> 
But you gotta love it. Uh huh. You yeah. gotta love the Hittites. Yep. So thank you to the Hittites. Yep. So that was my housekeeping news because I, like I just discovered they they made this discovery on like and announced it on like September twenty first. So like oh that's cool. Just very recently. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So any other housekeeping? Not as cool as that. No. <laughs> I mean, I think they found another statue of Hecate in Turkey. But it's always uh, in Turkey. It's always in Turkey. <laughs> but other than that, I don't know. Okay. And, I haven't really been focusing on a lot of stuff. So. Fair enough. So maybe next week we'll have more interesting <laughs> housekeeping for you. I had interesting housekeeping. Yeah, I interesting think I think it was very fun. Very rarely do we get to make this kind of a housekeeping announcement. That's New right. language discovered. New language discovered. <laughs> I guess we're house kept and house swept. That's right. We did it reverse. We did it. <laughs> Hooray! Hooray! Okay, so we're gonna be continuing our storytelling elements mm-hmm. series, mm-hmm. and it is air. Mm-hmm. And Gwen and I both struggled to find oh my stories God. specifically, like myths specifically about air or air-related things. Uh-huh. I did find three eventually. So how many did you get, Gwen? I got two. Okay. Really one. Okay. So I guess I'll start, and that way we'll do the, the proper yep. breakup yep. of the stories. So I'm going to start with the tale of Hyacinthus, or Hyacinth. This is a Greek story. So Hyacinth was a very beautiful uh, Spartan prince, and everyone was very into him. In particular, uh, he was wooed by a Thracian singer named Thamiris, who, according to Apollodorus, this was the first instance of homosexual attraction. So according to Apollodorus, Thamiris becoming enthralled with Hyacinth was the first time that uh, one man had ever loved another, and Thamiris pursued Hyacinth, and they had they es- established a relationship, right? Okay. But Hyacinth was so beautiful that he also attracted the attention of two uh, much more important beings than Thamiris, Apollo oh. and Zephyrus, the West Wind. Yes. <laughs> Hyacinth is carrying on affairs, basically, with all three of these people. Okay. All three of these men. Polyamory. Uh-huh. Why not? Uh-huh. He well, seems maybe to... maybe that's not quite... Yeah. I, more like... Uh, it seems as though maybe Hyacinth thought it was an open relationship, but no one else did. No one else did. Okay. See, they had bad... Uh, bad communication. communication. Yeah. So he's uh, dating all of these people. And Apollo decides to host a banquet to which he invites his boyfriend's other boyfriends. Oh, boy. <laughs> to which he invites... Uh, Thamiris and Zephyrus. That's never a good idea. Yeah. So Thamiris is this um, extremely famous singer and lute player. He's supposed to have invented a a whole branch of music, Dorian music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Dorian music. So he's supposed to have invented that. And while he's at this party, while everyone is, you know, showing off for Hyacinth because they're all there and Mm. they're all trying to, like, one-up each other... He boasts that he surpasses the muses in his musical talents. Oh, boy. And Apollo is like, well, by chance, I happen to have the muses in attendance. Oh, dear. Would you like to repeat that? And Thamiris, having backed himself into a corner, repeats his boast. And the muses are like, cool, cool, cool. We'll have a contest like you do. Uh-huh. Uh, like happens every time that a mortal boasts they can uh, beat a divine being and something and everyone else at the party is uh going to judge the contest oh boy so thamiris uh plays and he plays very well and it's very beautiful music and then the muses play 
And of course, it's the muses. It's the muses. So uh, they win the contest. <laughs> and to punish Thamiris for his hubris, they blind him <gasps> and steal his ability to play. Oh. So he uh, is now blinded and can no longer sing or play the lute at all. Oh. <laughs> yes. After this catastrophically bad party, mm-hmm. Hyacinth, presumably having observed that Apollo is taking this shit very seriously decides, hmm, I'm gonna be just exclusive with Apollo now, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Hyacinth yeah. decides, okay, I'm gonna take this in the, in the spirit in which it was meant as a, a gesture of how important you are, and I'm going to date exclusively Apollo from now on. Mm-hmm. Thamiris, goodbye, good luck. Uh, Zephyrus, the West Wind, have a nice life. I'm gonna be dating just Apollo now. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. Um, Thamiris, uh, being a mortal man who's just been thoroughly bested by the gods, just accepts this and goes away. Zephyrus, the West Wind, does not. Mm. So Zephyrus is essentially stalking Hyacinth from now on. And since he's the wind, that is quite easy for him to do. Easy for him to do, yeah. Um, But Apollo keeps sort of chasing him away, shooting arrows at him so that he's, you know, leave us alone. You've been rejected. Mm Mm-hmm. And Zephyrus refuses to accept this, and he continues following Hyacinth around, you know, glaring at them from the trees as they frolic in the fields and Mm -hmm. so forth. And on one occasion, Apollo and Hyacinth uh, decide to play a game Mm -hmm. of throwing discus to each other. Okay. Um, So they're basically playing catch with an ancient frisbee. (laughs) Like you do. Uh, Except the discus is made of metal. Oh, boy. So it's very heavy. So Zephyrus is watching this, and he's very peeved and frustrated and he you know apollo is you know shooed him away again and he's just lurking in the trees glaring while the branches shudder in the wind and apollo throws the discus to hyacinth and zephyrus overcome by jealousy blows on the discus to change its trajectory so that it strikes hyacinth in the head and kills him oh boy yes so apollo obviously very distressed uh-huh. Uh, tries to heal Hyacinth with ambrosia, with his own powers of healing, and nothing can be done because, according to the fates, this is Hyacinth's fated death. So he can't, he can't, he fix, can't it. fix it. Yeah, which is kind of sad. Yeah. So he creates a Hyacinth flower. I love Hyacinth uh, from flower. from the the lost blood mm-hmm. from Hyacinth's head. Um, although, from the way it's described, they think it's probably actually an iris or some some related flower rather than what we now call a hyacinth because of the color and the way it's described as having basically the Greek word for alas written on it. Aww. Um, and they think that probably is the the sort of striations you see on an yeah, iris. Yeah. But as, as a bonus, he does, hyacinth does somehow later get resurrected and brought to Olympus and made immortal okay. somehow. So So he's only dead for a while. Just a little bit. And then he gets resurrected and and becomes immortal and joins Apollo in the heavens. And there is a three-day festival in Sparta all about his death and resurrection. On the first day, they they, uh, mourn his death. It is very solemn. It's one of the only Apollonic rites that is solemn. And then on the second day, there is a great rejoicing as he is reborn. And then on the third day, we don't know what happens because it was mysteries. Oh, of course. Uh Uh-huh. So yeah, Hyacinth, the story of Hyacinth and Zephyrus's revenge. Zephyrus's revenge. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of mean. Uh, yes, very, very uh, malicious. Rannon says, 
The story of Hyacinth always makes me feel sad. I don't know if it's just because of my connection with Apollo or just because it's a fucked up story about a queer guy, but it always makes me especially mournful and mad at the fucking wind. Mm. Yeah, Zephyrus was really being an asshole here. Like yeah, he really was. Couldn't win legit, so he just decided to Had kill... To yeah, just decided to kill the object of their mutual affection. Mm-hmm. All right, if I can't have him, no one can. Yes, it really is. Um... I'm pretty shitty. Elle says, yet another reminder to be completely fucking average. Yeah, if you live in the the era of Greek mythology, that is the case. Mm-hmm. Also, there are some theories, this is unrelated to the myth itself, but there are some theories that Hyacinth was originally a pre-Hellenic god mm-hmm. of, like, vegetation. Okay. And that his story with Apollo was sort of bringing him into the Greek pantheon. And that the story of his death at the hands of Zephyrus and his eventual resurrection was to sort of transmute him into a chthonic uh, spring and renewal deity, sort okay. of like Persephone. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes so, sense. So he's sort of a, a spear counterpart to uh, Persephone in that respect. That's kind of neat. Yeah. In fact, there are some myths that Hyacinth spends the winter in Hyperborea, which is a, uh, a land of eternal spring where swans are supposed to come from because mm-hmm. Apollo gifts him a swan chariot so that Hyacinth can come visit him. You know, it's funny because you always kind of, I didn't realize Hyacinth was uh, a prince. Yeah, he was a Spartan prince. Yeah, a Spartan prince. So I did not know that. Mm-hmm. So that's all I have for Hyacinth. Want to read a diverse and inclusive fantasy that's pagan friendly? Check out Arrow's Flight by M.B. Strang. Arrow's Flight. An unknown menace moves through the polite society of Pearl's holding. If not caught in time, it will bring down not just the hallowed knights of the Pearl Order, but also everyone who lives and works with them. The answer lies with a young woman of mysterious origins whose life has been touched by tragedy. To fulfill her potential, she must confront her past and discover a future more amazing than she'd ever imagined and find the inner strength to fly. She's not alone. A handful of knights, a hearth mage, and their magical companions all test their physical and magical limits to make things right before it's too late. Otherwise, dark forces will overtake the knights for good. Go to mbstrang.com for details on ordering your copy now. Scroll down to the bottom of the main page to sign up for the newsletter and receive a free story. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! Good I read. Good smoke. read. Smoke made. Smoke made. What's your story? Well, we're keeping, you know, it Greek. <laughs> <laughs> keeping it Greek. And of course, just a warning, because it is a Greek story. Right. There's going to be some fucked up shit. There's fucked up shit. Because this is the story of Aura, who is the nymph daughter of the Titan Lelantos. And was the goddess of the breeze. Now, how is that spelled, Aura? Aura, A-U-R-A, just like you would think. And she was uh, the wind maid or the the goddess of the breeze. Um, And she was considered a maiden, a virgin. Aura, the wind maid, as fast as the wind, the mountain maid, a man-like virgin. Hmm. (laughs) All right. Who knew nothing of Aphrodite and a huntress who ran down the wild bear and ravening lions and kept aloof from the notions of unwarlike maids. Mm. So apparently she kind of hung with Artemis. I was going to say, yeah, that's yeah. Artemis vibes. Yeah, she she was a friend of Artemis and she would go hunting. <laughs> Elsa's wait. So a butch? <laughs> yeah, basically. It kind of sounds that way, yeah. She was kind of a butch. One day Aura goes hunting with mm-hmm. Artemis because like, like you do. Like you do. 
And um, for relief during the midday heat, the hunting party decided to stop for a swim. Mm -hmm. And Aura decides it would be fun to tease Artemis, saying that her breasts were better (laughs) than Artemis's, since hers were small and round like a man's, while Artemis's were large and voluptuous like a woman's. (laughs) (laughs) And so belied Artemis's supposed unviolated maidenhood. So, you know, she was like, mm-hmm, yeah, you're a maiden, all right. You miss voluptuousness uh-huh. going on there. Well, Artemis was deeply offended. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you you did not question her virginity. Right. That, that's the thing about Artemis. I mean, you don't question any of the gods on anything, really. No, no. But, you know, she was... Body she was, shaming, says L. Yeah, yeah. There was total body shaming. And so, very angry, Artemis goes to Nemesis. Uh-oh. The goddess of, of divine yeah. retribution, who arranges for Aura to be punished by losing her virginity. Mm. Because mm-hmm. a lot of this was pride. Yeah, about, you yeah know, her, about her virginity. About her virginity. So they make Dionysus ah. go mad with lust for Aura and be, by shooting him with an arrow. Like you do. But of arrows. Mm-hmm. He knew he could never seduce Aura because, you know, she right, was abundantly yes. virginal. And so he drugged her wine, tied her up, and then raped her while she was unconscious and unmoving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of these guys did. Yeah. Although I got to say, this one's not 100% on Dionysus. He no! was cursed to do this. Yeah, actually, it really is not <laughs> this on is- Di- this, this is not on him. Yeah, for once, this is not his choice. Nope. Nope. He he was... <laughs> he was under the influence as well. He was under the influence of... Um, this was this was a two-way violation, says yes, yes. Yes, it really was. Um, and so when Aura awakes and she discovers she is no longer right. a virgin, but not knowing who is responsible, right. she becomes enraged and she basically goes out and murders a bunch of herdsmen. <laughs> Just the nearest men. Just the nearest men. And, uh, you know, drenches the hills with uh-huh. blood because she doesn't know who did this. And then she ends up giving birth to twin boys. Mm. And so after a very painful labor and having these twins, she gives them to a lioness to eat who <laughs> refuses to do it. So then Aura, I'm telling you, this is a not a nice story. She seizes one of the boys, flings it into the air, and it falls and hits the ground. And then she eats it. Jesus Christ, Aura. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Artemis, who realizes, holy shit, she's losing her Uh mind. She seizes the other child and spirits it away to safety. Mm -hmm. And then, driven to just madness Uh from her grief, she drowns herself in the river Sangarios, where Zeus then turned her into a spring. Wow. Yeah. So her breasts become the spouts of falling water, the stream was her body, and the flowers her hair, and her bow, the horn of the horned river, in a bull shape. I guess is recompense for her no, being violated? Just, no, just because the gods did this all the time. If yeah. there was a corpse around, they turned it into something. <laughs> yes. And then the surviving child by Dionysus is Iacus, who becomes a minor daddy connected to Eleusinian Mysteries, mm. which is why sometimes he is connected to Demeter or Persephone as one of the sons of, you know, of either one. So sometimes uh, in mythology, he's uh, the son of Aura through Dionysus. Oh, so it's sometimes, a, his mother is contested. But yeah, he's connected to the Eleusian 
mysteries. Rannon says, I'm honestly surprised it took her long enough to give birth to want to end it all. Maybe it was one of those like speed pregnancies that they have in mythology they sometimes. They do that. Yeah. Yeah. She woke up, she's Where it's pregnant. Like, and then like, next holy week, fuck, yeah. I'm pregnant. Yeah. Maybe, so, it was, yeah. maybe it was faster than we think. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the story of Aura. Well, that just is bad for everyone all around. All around. Aura yeah, sucked. Yeah, think about it. Artemis sucked. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Dionysus sucked, but under the influence of Eros, so yeah. really Eros sucked. Eros sucked. Everyone yeah. sucked. Everyone sucked. <laughs> there, no one was good here. Mm-mm. And the children, you know, one child got Ed. Right, yeah. yeah. At least one child survived. Well, there you go. Yeah. Greek Rans- stories, man. <laughs> yeah, that's the Greeks. That's the Greeks. <laughs> Uh, Rhiannon says, double sad stories so far. Wind is the sad element. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's surprisingly. Yeah. And Elle says, Nemesis was at least acting within her designated role, but geez, did you have to go that far? Right. To be, yeah, I mean. To be fair, Artemis, when she was offended, she went hardcore. Yeah, but even Artemis didn't decide what this revenge was going to be. That's true. Nemesis did. Choices were made. Choices were made. <laughs> well, and Apollo, I guess I, Apollo is the nice twin, says Al. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you think about it because, you know, Dionysus was probably the obvious choice because Dionysus, but he was he, coerced. Right. Uh, yeah. He didn't consent to this he either. He didn't consent to it. So. Yeah. Very rude. Mm. The goddess of the sweet spring wearer of the, of the breeze is, uh, is, uh, is now the dead spring. It's now the dead spring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. <laughs> I have another story that is also Greek. I swear I, my third story is not Greek, but we'll do the Greek one again just so we can get through the Greeks. So <laughs> this is going to be another one that's kind of like oof. They're all oof. Uh, yeah, so this is going to be the story of Nephili. So Nephili was a cloud who was created by Zeus in the shape of Hera. Okay. To test a gentleman by the name of Ixion. Uh, who had lusted after Hera at a banquet. And so Zeus was like, well, I shall create a fake Hera to test and see exactly how much of a shit this guy is. Uh And the answer is very much of one, because he promptly fails the test and assaults Nephili, who he thinks is Hera, Mm. and fathers the centaurs with Nephili. Oh, okay, okay. He fathers the centaurs with Nephili. Uh, So that's where the centaurs come from. Okay. From Ixion and not Hera. Nephili then goes on to marry Athamas, who is a king, mm-hmm. a mortal king, and she has twins with this king. Twins, man. Yes. It's a thing. Uh, and their names are Phrixus and Hele. Phrixus is a boy and Hele is a girl. So she has some twins with Athamas. And then for an unknown reason, Athamas divorces Nephili. Okay. Yes. I, I'm unclear to me why, but he divorces Nephili. Uh, and he marries a woman named Aino, who hates that he has pre-existing children. So she decides that she will get rid of them, presumably so that she can be the mother to uh, a new set of heirs, right? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Because as it stands, Phrixus would be his heir, and she wants her hypothetical future children to be his heirs. Okay. So she's going to get rid of Phrixus and Hele. How she does this is the most convoluted thing on earth. She frames them for crimes against crops. So, crimes so she, against crops. Yeah, so she gathers all the seeds, somehow, all of the seeds from the kingdom, and she roasts them and then returns them to the farms from which they came with no one any the wiser, so that when the farmers sow the seeds, nothing sprouts. 
Because oh. the seeds have been roasted and yeah. they're dead now. So basically she creates a famine. And then when the people go to the oracle to find out why there is a famine, what they've done to offend the gods, she bribes the oracle okay. to tell them that it is the fault of Phrixus and he must be sacrificed. So the people go to the oracle and he, having accepted the bribe, says it's the fault of Phrixus and he must be sacrificed. Everyone just agrees that this is going to happen now, including the king, Athamas. Okay. Okay. So Phrixus and uh, and his twin, because she's just along for the ride, are going to be executed, sacrificed, in the hopes of fixing this famine that can't be fixed because the gods didn't do it. I know did. Okay. I know created. This is a man-made famine. So no amount of sacrificing is going to fix anything. And I don't know what she thought would happen after the sacrifice didn't work. Okay. But so they gather the twins to kill them. But their, their true mother, Nephili, who mm-hmm. has been in the sky as a cloud this whole time since she was divorced, right. sends a flying golden ram down to collect them, to rescue them. Okay. So this ram shoots down from the sky. I assume because sheep are fluffy and clouds are fluffy. I assume that's the connection. But she sends this flying golden ram down and it, you know, mm-hmm. breaks them free. It, you know, presumably it headbutts some people. And they climb onto its back and it returns to the sky, right? And Nephili, I don't know, cloud form, tells them to be very careful not to look down. Because mm-hmm. this golden ram is going to take them to a safe place. But if they look down, they'll become frightened and fall. Oh. So they're supposed to just look straight ahead, admire the sky or something, while this golden ram flies them to their new home. Uh, and Hele does not listen. She looks down and falls off of the ram in fright and drowns in the sea. Oh. Which is then named after her. But Phrixus, uh, having learned from his sister's example, keeps his focus straight ahead and does not look down until the golden ram takes him to a faraway kingdom where it lands and deposits him in front of a king who promptly adopts him, uh, offers him his daughter to marry, and so Phrixus becomes the new prince of this kingdom. Okay. And as thanks, Phrixus slaughters the golden flying ram and gives its fleece to this king, and that is the golden fleece that Jason oh. and the Argonauts later retrieve. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so that's how the golden fleece gets there. Interesting, <laughs> interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Nephilim presumably is just happy that at least one of her children survived. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. So again, I don't know what I know thought would happen after this sacrifice didn't uh, fix the famine problem, because there's still going to be a famine now in this kingdom. Mm-hmm. So she didn't think that all the way through, she I don't think. She did not think that all the way but through. But it ended up not being an issue because Nephili came through. Uh, Elle says, our girl did not become queen for her brains, apparently. Yeah, apparently yeah. not. Although, like I said, she pulled off this extremely elaborate, complicated frame job. I don't know how she did any of this or why this was the plan she came up with. Join our tiger Amanda and relax with the salts of Wonderful Body Co. These soaks and scrubs inspired by popular books and characters are designed to delight multiple senses with fragrant scents and sparkling mica. You can also find rollerball fragrances and hair oils. With dozens of options available, you're sure to find something you like in the Wonderful Body Co. collection. This week, I'm recommending the Gemini Eau de Parfum, with scents of sandalwood, coconut cream, berries, eucalyptus, candied apple, and thyme. Find Wonderful Body Co. online at wonderfulbodyco.com, or go directly to the shop at etsy.com shop wonderfulbodyco. 
Hail Dictinus. Hail Dictinus. Rhiannon says, I mean, technically she did get rid of the kid. <laughs> That's technically. true. The kid, the, the, technically speaking, she got what she wanted. As stated, mm-hmm. I had trouble finding yeah, mythology. Because um, there were a lot of really interesting, like, Philippine deities mm-hmm. of the air and things. But no mythology connected. But or at least have... nothing that's written in the English language. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, again, I'm stuck with the Greeks. <laughs> uh, because they wrote a lot. And it's one of the brothers of Zephyrus. Ah, one of the other winds. One of the other winds, because there's four of them. Uh-huh, yep. And this one is Notus. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And uh, Notus is the god of the south wind. And the, the wind gods were actually called the Anamoi. And they were all sons of the dawn goddess Eos and star god Astraeus. Mm-hmm. Like he's a desiccating hot wind of Ooh. heat. And associated with storms of late summer, early autumn, wetness, mist. South um, things. And, and yeah, and always, and like the rain bringer. If you needed rain, you went to notice. For but I thought reason. he was a desiccating. He one. is, which is, I think it's because of the early autumn. Hmm. associations very odd so yeah so not only is he a this desiccating hot wind he's also the bringer of dorms and rain it's very weird yeah he doesn't get a he doesn't have a lot of his own mythology just like their the the fourth brother he does not get a lot of they don't get a lot of their own press hmm. he is mentioned as one of the you know he like appears with his brothers to blow the ships to shore Mm -hmm. i think in the odyssey Mm -hmm. when they get when they're out in the sea and there's a great deluge right and in preparation for this great deluge the the this massive rain Uh, that zeus wants to create he locks up boreas and the other cloud blowing gales but lets notice free and so notice brings rain on the earth and lets it pour all over all over the globe oh because he's like unconstrained by the rest of his brothers so he's unconstrained so he basically drowns almost everyone so he's like i guess he is the the origin basically just lets him loose lets him loose (laughs) and so he is essentially the the origin of the flood story in in greece in greece yeah that's about it I mean, I don't have a lot to say about him, sadly. He's always with his brothers. He and the other and the three other wind gods are also known as horses that pull Hera's chariot. Okay. All right, then. So I don't have a lot of story. Okay. It kind of turned into a, a deep dive. Yeah, I was going to say, that was more of a deep dive than a story, but that's okay. Sorry. Sorry. Join our tiger crystal at Apothecary Tees. This shop produces fragrant, aesthetically beautiful teas that delight all the senses with handcrafted tea blends from white to red to green. This week, Ode suggests Sangria, a rubus tea with hibiscus, apple pieces, cherries, and orange peel. Find them at apothecaryteastore.com or on Facebook at Apothecary Teas LLC. So I have one more story, sort of. It is the story of Hyuramama. Finally, getting away from the Greeks. So Hyuramama, uh, H-U-A-Y-R-A-M-A-M-A, is the snake mother of the wind in Peruvian mythology. So there are three snake mothers in Peruvian mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, snake mother of the wind, snake mother of the earth, and the snake mother of the water. Isn't and, that interesting? Yeah, and the Hiramama is the snake mother of the wind. She is the daughter of the wind tree, which is the Huayracaspi tree. And she is a giant boa with the face of an old woman. 
and long hair that's so long it tangles in the clouds. Interesting. Yeah, so she's like a gigantic snake who flies around in the sky, and the clouds are her hair, and yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of Quetzalcoatl. Yeah, sort of. And sort of like a Naga energy. I don't know. There's a lot mm-hmm. of snakes with human faces across various cultures. I was only able to find one story about her or one story that includes her. It's mm-hmm. not really about her, but she's sort of the major... In it. Yeah, she's the major force of power in it. Mm-hmm. I suspect that there are maybe more stories that are just not available in the English language. Mm-hmm. But the only one I could find was that there was a healer named Don Emilio, and he was seeking power over the elements. So he was fasting and performing rituals to gain the authority from various spirits to work with the various elements. And he'd gotten authority over earth, and he'd gotten authority over water, but he wasn't satisfied. He wanted to still have authority over the wind. So he fasted and drank tea made from the bark of the Huayra Caspi tree for nine days, because uh, the Huayra Caspi tree is supposed to be the the wind tree, the Mm -hmm. air tree. Mm -hmm. And eventually, this summons Huayra Mama, and she descends from the sky, this enormous snake that blots out the sun, and she coils around his house, and she says, What man do you summon me for? And he says, Well, (laughs) ma'am, I would like to have power over the weather. And she says, Hmm... I see you've already gained power over the earth and the water, which is promising. If you fast for 45 more days and continue to drink Huayra Caspi tea, I will give you power over the wind. So Don Emilio agrees, and he continues his fast, which is an ordeal because he's already been fasting for Mm -hmm. quite a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But he continues his fast for 45 days, and he continues to drink the tea from the Huayra Caspi tree, and eventually... He meets the goal she set, and she grants him power over the wind. Mm -hmm. And for the rest of his life, he proceeds to use the power of the wind only for good, Good um, to control the weather. He uses it to drive away the evil winds and to draw in the good winds, both of which are Huayra Mama's children. Mm -hmm. And he does it even for such small goods as clearing the weather so that children can play. Uh And Don Emilio is beloved for his... His great powers of, of control over all the elements, and in particular control over the weather, because he ensures that the crops always have enough rain, but not too much too rain, rain, and that the winds are always pleasant, but never, you know, destructive. Mm-hmm. Mama stays with him, and every now and again, when he needs more power to drive away an evil wind, she touches his head and bestows upon him more power for that moment, oh. uh, so that he can accomplish his works. So eventually, as all men do, Don Emilio dies, Mm -hmm. and he asks to be buried under a Huayra Caspi tree, as that tree is his mother, as it is Huayra Mama's. Oh, that's very cool. I like that story. Yeah. That's a good story. So I I, I like Huayra Mama, and I like all the snake mothers. Yeah. They're kind of, they're really interesting. And I had never heard of them before. Like, you hear about different, like, ancient South American deities, but I have never heard of of these specific Peruvian beings. That's very Who are sort of, like, in an ambiguous position between, like, they're not, Mm -hmm. they're not counted among gods, but they Mm -hmm. clearly are, like, embodiments of the elements. Yeah, yeah. Very powerful spirits at the very very least. Interesting. That's like, um, when I was looking for different deities, Mm -hmm. um... Quetzalcoatl has a yeah. um, another form that is a god of the wind, mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them have, yeah, multiple mm-hmm. shapes. I don't yeah. think 
that Huayra Mama and Quetzalcoatl have like a direct connection because I think Huayra Mama is from the Inca mm-hmm. yeah, culture the, and, and not is, the Aztec yeah. culture, which is where Quetzalcoatl is from. So they may have been contemporaries. Contemporary. But very interesting. Very interesting indeed. So, and, and, interesting. and I finally got away from the Greeks. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I just thought it was interesting because Puerto Mama is mm-hmm. a snake goddess. Yes. And Quetzalcoatl is a feathered snake. Yep. yep. Um, Even in his air god uh, yeah. persona. And all of the snake mothers in Peruvian mythology are supposed to be different kinds of snakes. Mm. So Huayra Mama is a boa, a giant boa. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the names of the earth mother and the water mother, but one of them is a boa constrictor mm. and one of them is an anaconda. Ooh. Yeah. So they're very cool. Yeah, very interesting. interesting. Yeah. So okay. I recommend you look them up at some point if you have the chance. Yeah. Uh, Elle says uh, they think Pacamama is the earth oh, snake. Yeah. That's possible. Yeah. That's possible. That does make sense. And I think the water snake mother, her name starts with an S or something. But I focused on Huera Mama. Huera Mama. Because wind. Because <laughs> air. Because air wind. and wind. All right, so that's all of our stories tonight, mm-hmm. I believe. Like I said, it was hard to find oh wind God, specific sorry. stories. Can, yeah, see, I was even with the, struggling with, with even, even with, with Notos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can just strike him from the record because <laughs> it, it's really it's interesting because really the only of the of the four winds, it's really only Zeph, uh, Zephyrus and Boreas and Boreas yeah. who have mythologies. The other two. Nodos and I can't even remember his name right now. Yeah. Else. It's something with an yeah. e. e. It's the East Wind. Eos whatever it is. Or something. Whatever it is. It's the East Wind. They they're just mentioned in connection with the other yeah. two. Just in as as a group. Yeah. I think we'll have an easier time with the Earth stories when we get to those, but I promise it won't be for several weeks. <laughs> Euros. 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 Yeah, yeah. Not Eros, because no, that's, that's that's the god of Yeah, the lust guy. The lust guy. But, but Euros. Euros is the yeah. East Wind. Yep, that sounds right. There is a shoot what are they called Mm, the oh hellos is a band that did a series of concept albums named for the four winds so i really recommend if you're interested uh go look those up those are really fun okay oh you can google us (laughs) with the number three and the words pagans and a cat or the number three and the letters p-a-a-c uh you can also find us online at the number three pagans and a cat.com where we have links to various things including our Patreon, where you can help support us, and our mm-hmm. services tab, where you can buy tarot readings from us. Mm-hmm. Gwyn is posting again on Patheos yep. Pagan. Which there will be a blog coming out at, before the end of this week. So we got we got new Gwyn blogs going mm-hmm. on. Uh, Gwyn is also on TikTok, uh, yep. where I think the most recent TikTok she did was for Maven, unless she's done another one since then. Nope, it was for... it was. For... Yeah, so you can see our, our simmer pot we did for Maven, which was a lot of fun. Yes, we had a nice time. Uh, and then our wine, which we had. Oh, gosh. <laughs> which Speaking was also fun. Which... Yes. So i uh, just going to throw this out there. We had some, like, cantaloupe and strawberries that were about to go off. So we just chopped them up and put them in a pitcher and poured the rest of our wine on oh. it and made drunk fruit. Oh, it was so Y'all. good. Y'all. Do that with your fruit and your leftover wine. Fruit. Make drunk fruit. Next, we're going to try putting it over, like, ice cream or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> so good. That's unrelated to anything, but that yeah. was a good time we had. Hell, we could, like... <laughs> You know, pulverize that in the yes, blender yes. and, you know. Oh. Yeah, and just pour it over as like a sauce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. drunk fruit. Recommend drunk, drunk fruit. fruit. All right. <laughs> um, so, we're going to call it good for this episode, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. So, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>